Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a thousand years, advertising was hopelessly trapped within rich media banner ads and pre-roll video, cursed to be ignored for eternity. But from nerd culture, sneakers, and dank memes, a new idea emerged. An idea forged in the fires of brand marketing and popular culture came the Pop Marketing Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Pop Marketing Podcast where we talk about the crossroads of brand marketing and popular culture and today I've been waiting for this for a long time. We get to talk about gaming, esports and we have a very special guest and I'll say that our guest is the founder and CEO of DLC Youth chairman of the Esports Trade Association, uh, advisor to many organizations as like the resident esports expert dude, uh, host of the DLC Drop podcast, which if you haven't seen or heard, you should take a listen to that. And a lifelong skateboarder, currently huge in India too. <laughs> currently huge in India. It's great. And so if there's anybody on the planet Earth that can help uh, teach myself and all brand marketers out there that are wondering about the exploding, crazy meta world of esports and then the business side of gaming as it emerges. It is a friend of the podcast, John Davidson. What's up, man? How you What's doing? What's up? Thank you for having me. I appreciate the intro. Yeah, famous in India. That happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so this is new news. And I mean, People don't realize sometimes, well, A, I think it's a big push to say we as Americans, it's tough for us because it's tough for us to see outside of ourselves on a global and a global aspect. But gaming and esports is not and didn't start, really. It wasn't a U.S. thing. Yes, it's a global, global movement that's been going on for a long time. And I didn't realize, but in, there's a lot of people in India. There's a lot of there people are. there, so of course. Yeah, not only are there a lot of people in India, but they have the world's largest Gen Z population, and they are also a mobile first country. So just about everybody has a cell phone. And so as we look at the future of esports, it's mobile for a number of reasons. Number one, it lowers the barrier to entry from a cost standpoint. So most professional level competitive gaming or esports is done on PCs, and PCs aren't cheap. So the way that video console manufacturers lowered the barrier to entry was the console. So rather than a $3,500 PC, you could buy a $500 to $200 console and a little computer in a box that plays video games. Well, what we're seeing is that everybody's gravitating to playing games on mobile. Now, you might be a gamer, you don't even know it. If you're playing Candy Crush on your phone, you're playing Words with Friends, those aren't esports titles. Those aren't professional competitive video game titles. 
but they're games. And esports is simply the pro level competitive video game ecosystem, which consists of about 20 different games. But publishers are recognizing the opportunity that everybody is playing games on their phone. And so they're developing full fidelity games on mobile. Young people are just so comfortable with phones. I got a six-year-old son. He picks up my phone to look through pictures or to pick out a YouTube video or whatever. The way this child can manipulate this device is insane because he has not lived in a world without at least an iPhone 8, right? <laughs> right. And when you can't read and design and human design is such a thing, when you can't read, it's so amazing what my kid, for same around age, was able to pick up way before reading or even talking, right? And you're like, holy smokes, like that's nuts. And now what that turns into today is I get smoked on Roblox all the time because they I'm used to a tactile controller where I can just like get me on that and I'll take these kids out. But I'm getting knocked out. They don't see, there's not a barrier like I'm having on because that's where they started at. Yeah, they can play Fortnite. They can play Warzone. They can play PUBG Mobile on their phone and they're going to, be doing it just as well as someone a lot older doing that on a, a PC or a console. Now, I was reached out to by a woman from BW Business World. Probably a lot of people get a LinkedIn message from someone from India or another country from time to time. And you're like, who is this? What's going on here? Is this a legit opportunity? And I'm not saying anything bad about anybody, but you know, there's spam from everybody from everywhere. And so we've all had the spam from someone from another country. So I get this LinkedIn message and you know I want to treat everybody with respect, whether it's a great opportunity or not. So got this cold email message in LinkedIn and said, Hey John, I see that you follow esports. Would you like to write an article in our magazine? And I thought, maybe. What's your magazine? So she said, well, it's called BW Business World, and it's been in publication for 60 years, and it's the largest business magazine in India. And knowing that India has a very large population, I was thinking that probably has a pretty good level of readership. And so I said, would you mind sending me your media presentation? Like, let me see, like, who's the audience? How many people are reading? Blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> she sends me the deck. 30 million monthly readers. And I was like, I would love to write an article in this magazine. Yeah, give me more. And I said, when monthly. do you need the article? And she said, if I could have that in two days, that'd be great. And I said, you got it. So they gave me my choice of what to write. I said, well, because I know esports, or excuse me, because I know India is a mobile first country. And because I've just interviewed uh, the founder and CEO of Tribe Gaming, Pat Carney, on my podcast and learned all about mobile gaming beyond mobile esports, specifically beyond what I knew before. I said, I want to write about how mobile esports is the future of esports and how India fits into the future of entertainment. And they were very gracious in publishing that. They put my name on the cover. They put my picture in the contents and stuff. And so I actually posted that yesterday on LinkedIn, but just being really excited about it coming out and thanking them for being kind to include me. And boy, has that post popped off. If I look at it right now, 
so I'll, you know, a lot of my posts will be around or 1200, 2000 views. Sometimes you get a, a 5,000 one or something like that. And you that. feel really good. You go to bed at night being like, yes, I'm there with five grand. Like, Yeah. You're cool. And you're like, man, I'm making some traction. I'm doing some things. I'm making stuff happen. And yesterday, I had, right after I posted, I remember it was 13 minutes after I posted, I looked back at my phone because, you know, a lot of times shortly after it's like, oh, 100 people have viewed it now or, or maybe it's just 30, right? Whether it's getting slow traction or good traction. And I looked at it like 13 minutes I was like, wait, this is 1,400 people have already <laughs> viewed this. There's something wrong. And so then I start moderating it and it's like, wait a minute. Now it's 15,000. Now it's 30. At this point, 4.57 p.m. Central Standard Time on July 14th, this post is at 87,330 views. Dude, when we talked last <laughs> earlier in the day, not even a few, like few hours ago, you're like, I mean, this is at 37,000. <laughs> They, we were, we've doubled from that. So that 30 million, that 30, she wasn't lying. That 30 she was million. not lying. Yeah. So that's just my LinkedIn post. So I don't know how many people specifically have read the publication, the print magazine, they have the website as well, but no, it's just super cool. I feel, I feel those are those humbling moments where it's like, wow, it's amazing that my insights and my thoughts would reach so many people. And I kind of see it almost, I try not to think like, oh, I'm awesome. I got all these views. I try to think like, wow, I'm just thankful for the platform. And I think of it as a responsibility as well. Like, I mean, if this many people are going to take the time to look or take the time to read or listen, you know, I really want to provide something that helps them in a way that's meaningful for them. So that's what I strive to do. Yeah. And you got a big job ahead of you too. I mean, like it's, you're seeing it on the India side and the global side, but right here in the States, I mean, like I've worked inside of the world of gaming and popular culture enough to know that a lot of marketers, a lot of brands, it's very alien. Like it's very alien. It didn't, it's not like it came from nowhere. We've been hearing it for more than a decade since games in general, as it's kind of grown and snowballed, but somehow it's kept itself outside of the mainstream culture enough to where it feels like it's this giant explosion now. And it just came from nowhere. And I feel like it may be that it's just extremely growing, extremely fast at the same time. But you have quite the job in like education in general of that, as well as making sure instilling the business maturity inside of this thing that is supposedly just for kids, by the way, if you hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah. There's some old kids out there, I guess. You can <laughs> A lot of old kids. And I think you have the intersection of technology and popular culture is really what has enabled where esports is today. Back in the day before streaming was really accepted, I think that held back the acceptance or the willingness to dive into it. I also think necessity is the mother of invention in many different ways. And in this way, esports is a necessity for brands and agencies and traditional sports and traditional television. Because I think that when you look at the space as a whole globally, esports started about 20 years ago in Southeast Asia, Korea, the PC bangs is where it really started blowing up, made itself, made its way across Europe. You would see a lot of people who've been in the esports space for a long time, Americans flew to Europe to work for ESL or something like that. And the way that I identify it, the last four or five years, the reason why esports has really blown up in the US is because this is where all the brands are headquartered. 
And so essentially it's youth marketing. What brands and agencies are seeing is they're saying, okay, participation in traditional sports is declining, specifically among young people. Viewership of traditional television is declining and it's declining and it's not replacing itself either with young people. Well, what are all these young kids doing? Well, they're playing video games. Oh, well, how do I integrate with video games? Typically, it's you got a two-week launch plan before the game comes out. When I used to work at GameStop as head of partnerships at the headquarters there, you know, we have two weeks, social, email, launch and leave is what we would do. We'd launch and we'd leave over and over again to the next title. And so I remember talking to somebody at Dr. Pepper trying to put together a partnership with GameStop. And they said, John, I really can't justify or allocate dollars for two weeks of marketing. I need something that's kind of always Sustaining, on or yeah. seasonal or something. And I said, well, how about Q4? That's when all the big games come out. It's holiday, it's Black Friday, all these things. Well, John, half of the games that you sell, I don't want my brand associated with, right? So that's the other problem. So they're looking at video games. Okay, all these questions, how do I organically integrate, which is how the community demands that you integrate. You can't just slap your logo. You have to enhance experiences that are meaningful to the community. Well, then they look at esports and they're like, wait a minute. I see this big event in Poland where there's a big stadium that's full of 100,000 people. And I see that you know more people watch this thing than the Super Bowl globally. And I see all of these familiar sponsorable assets. I see venues, jerseys, teams, content, leagues. That's the world I know. Now we're talking, right? Like, oh, it's not alien. It's actually exactly the world I can play in. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I've sponsored the NBA. I've sponsored the NFL. I've done this before. I'm going to do it in esports. Here we go. And then they find out the consumer responds very differently to brands than traditional sports consumers and older generations do. And so that's where I come in um, in a variety of ways, whether it be Esports Trade Association, PRG, or DLC, to help people understand the nuances of this community, how to engage them effectively. And the way I always put it is when you give the audience what they want but cannot attain for themselves, your brand is embraced. Find out what they want, what's meaningful. Give that to them. Make sure your brand gets credit then you're embraced. Don't start just trying to sell chips. The chips can be sold later. You need to create moments. You need to create memories. I basically have five categories of how I see you can enhance experience. So you have the fan experience. So at an event or watching a stream, how is that experience better for the fan than it would be without your brand? Whether that's VIP seating, a behind the scenes tour, interview with a pro, there's a variety of ways to do that. The competitive experience is the second one. What you have to understand about this community is they want to play just as much as they love to watch. And so you could throw the coolest party of all time and about 25% of that audience at least, all they want to do is play video games. And because there aren't those physical barriers to, do, to competing, I love watching the NFL, but I don't play football because I physically would not be able to at age 38. And a lot of football fans are the same way. You can't get out there, but you can get on your computer and you can play video games, right? And so how are you enabling amateurs to compete themselves in ways that they would not have the opportunity to otherwise? Unique experience is another one. 
And it's all about social media. So how are you creating Instagrammable moments that result in social currency for the community where you enable somebody to experience something that they take a selfie and they post it and their friends are either validating them or jealous and your brand gave them that opportunity. And then the two others, content is king, especially in esports. You want to optimize for mobile because that's how everybody is consuming the content. But you know, there's all sorts of different types of content behind the scenes of a team going through a title run, podcasts. One of my favorites is with Optic Gaming. They had a campaign called Smooth Competition with Brisk Ice Tea. And people just loved the personalities of these creators. They were doing non-gaming challenges. It had nothing to do with gaming. They were pro gamers. They were content creators. They were streamers. But the content itself was, hey, let's go out to the soccer field, see who can hit the crossbar. And it worked because of the personalities and that people really wanted to get to know them. And then the fifth one, which is the hardest, but the most valuable is in-game items. In the game, how can your brand provide, whether it be custom skins, DLC, other things, but understanding that this community does not see a difference between the physical and the digital world. They value both just as greatly. Which, and there's a billion ways to take us down so many different places. And that's the thing with gaming that I think is so tough for people is because it's not just, a, it's so, it's, it's so large, it encompasses so much. There's not just one culture, not just one community. There's so many different communities in push. Now, esports, I think, helps it a lot because esports, like you said, it is the top it's the competitive games built for competitive, built for kind of this from the DNA of those games actually built into it. Like the top, you said 20-ish ish games that are in that circle. And within that, it is, I'd love to understand, and I know my listeners too would love to understand within reason of timing, because I know it's tough to break down, but how does it work? We know how the NBA works know how NFL works. How do you, does this, such a big thing, how does it get organized? Or how is it literally being organized right now? Is it for game to game? Yeah, so it's a good question. The reason I'm laughing is I have a joke where the esports, the esports calendar is an oxymoron. It's like, <laughs> there have been situations, it's getting better all the time. The space is professionalizing. It's part of what at the Esports Trade Association we strive to help is improve business practices, improve professionalization. But I mean, there's times where it's three weeks out, you know, and a league is like, hey, we're doing this big event and you got to throw your pro team on a plane and you got to fly to the UK or whatever. That's crazy. Like three weeks is nuts. Yeah. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but this has happened. I mean, it has happened. But essentially, I'll give you a breakdown of the ecosystem and this will help. What is very unique about esports compared to traditional sports is that the publisher owns the IP of the game. And so, Joe, you and I could start a football league today if we wanted. We could call it Double J's Football League. And we could start in our backyard and we might get some traction with the neighborhood, grow that to a city, a state, nation. We could go global with it. And we could own that name. We could trademark it. Double J's Football League. What we could not do is call it the National Football League and use the NFL crest. Well, the difference here is that the NFL doesn't own the game of football. They just own their league and all the IP associated. Video game publishers quite literally own the game of football in this analogy. 
League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Rocket League, Fortnite, Call of Duty, Super Smash, etc. All these titles, you cannot do a tournament or make money with their game unless they allow you to, unless you have a license. Now, some of these licenses are free. The licenses vary. So if you're doing a college event versus if you're doing some global event that's attracting you know, every top team in the world and you have a million dollar prize pool, you have different licenses there. But so in this case, the publishers own the leagues. And so you're going to have a league and then a league is going to have teams. So something that has happened relatively recently is franchised esports. And what people will recognize this as how we understand traditional sports, the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers, the New York Giants, all of those teams are located in specific cities. And so I may, I'm a Niners fan, by the way because I'm from California. But, you know, I live in Dallas now. If I live here, might be a, a Cowboys fan because it's my city. In fact, I just stated that I'm a Niners fan because of the area I grew up in. Up until about three years ago, nobody was a fan of a team because of where they lived because no team was geographically located. It was just all online. Furthermore, the consumer behavior of the fans is that they follow players more than teams. And that's a problem for teams because these players making money hand over fist uh, if, the, if the team tries to get them to do a little too much or over leverage their hand, they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to leave and I'm going to take my 2 million followers with me. Yeah, all the equity. It's like the Justin Timberlake problem, right? You have one person or, or somebody in there that has all that fan base or has a higher leverage of that than the other competitive players. Yeah, so Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, are the, they're the ones that are known for having these franchise teams. And I'm a big believer in that. The reason why I'm a big believer in that, number one, I think it helps add structure. But number two, it enables a brand sponsorship play for local brands. You see, before franchise esports, if I was a local grocery store chain like HEB in Houston, Texas, which is beloved and is a partner of the Houston Outlaws Overwatch League team, I would have no play in esports because it's all just online. If I'm geographically located, I don't have anything to attach myself. Well, the moment the Houston Outlaws said, we're from Houston, boom, now I have a play in esports. And then it, you can build this pipeline that, that is starting to form, doesn't quite exist yet, but the pipeline from youth esports all the way to pro, that's going to be built out very soon over the next couple of years, which is really interesting to watch. Didn't even think about that. So you're building it while the car is going 100 miles an hour. I get that. But it, you, you have to build in, yeah, how does it work in schools and in colleges and in, and from the minors to wherever is like, it's big enough to hold that, but it doesn't have that structure yet or it's being built. Yeah. In fact, esports has grown the opposite way of traditional sports. So if you use the, like our double J football example earlier, we start a football league locally and then it grows county, state, national, et cetera because it's geographically located. Esports grew online, and so it started global, and it's growing down, filtering down to local. So that's a really interesting dynamic. High schools, we had pro esports, and then colleges have started building out teams and offering scholarships and everything, and now you have high school leagues, and now you have uh, junior high leagues, and you have camps that are like these youth camps for kids, in fact, I had a friend of mine, Kai Browning, from U.S. Sports Camps on my podcast. He heads up the eSports initiative for U.S. Sports Camps, which is Nike's 
licensed sport camp. All of this is happening. I'll say this too, because this is a very confusing part of it, is the org, the organization structure is very confusing for a lot of people outside of esports. I stated, you know, you have the publisher with the league, and then you have the teams. Well, orgs own many teams. And so the best way to think about it is like collegiate athletics. So like, where did you go to college, for example? Northwest Missouri State. There you go. State College here in Missouri. Awesome. So Northwest Missouri State has a basketball team, a baseball team, call it, you know, right, uh, water polo team, tennis, whatever, right? So Team Envy has a Call of Duty team, an Overwatch League team, a Counter-Strike team, pal, you go down the list. And now, before the franchise leagues, see, now it's getting complex. <laughs> so before the franchise leagues, like, the, like every Team Envy team under the org, Envy, would be just called Envy. What they're trying to do with the franchise leagues, like Call of Duty League and Overwatch League, is Envy's Overwatch team is the Dallas Fuel. Envy's Call of Duty team is the Dallas Empire. But this can be something that's very confusing is the org structure. And to compare it to collegiate athletics, I found is the greatest analogy, except for the content creator and streaming part of it. So every team has content creators and streamers. Now, this is the way to think about it. Some pros stream as well, like on the side. And they do, and I would assume if they're good at it, because some of this just like, hey, I'm a competitive gamer. I'm not, because there's two different kind of skill sets. I would assume that if you have both of those, you're doing pretty good because you can make some scratch, pretty good scratch on both sides because you have that exposure with your competitive gaming and do that. But they are separate revenue models, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, streaming is very personality-driven. And so you have guys who are extremely extremely skilled as well. But if you put them in a competition with the greatest players, competitive players in the world, they're not going to win. Now, so you have pros stream, but not every streamer is a pro. So the way I like to put it is kind of a fun analogy is if you think about the Los Angeles Lakers, like imagine if in addition to LeBron and everybody else on the team, they also had this dude who just did dunk contests. Just one specific thing that they're just a monster at. Yeah, it's just like a one. But it yeah. is part of the team. It's kind of like a, uh, yeah, I mean, the closest you do have, if people that were cheerleader or the mascots had like more than that, but like they were part of the actual team, which is super, I now you're blowing my mind. I totally get that idea, right? So they have streamers that are part of the team. Now they might not be competitive game. They might not be part of the competitive team, but they are in. They have, they are wearing the logo. They're they, and viewers and fans know they're part of that team. Yeah, and so and oftentimes for brands who are looking at how to sponsor, how to partner, the content creator partnership is a great solution because there's high engagement. They're creating so so much content, and you're not having to worry about living and dying on wins and losses. Number one you find somebody who's great like i mean plugging the product is very natural these people they're so good at creating content and they know what their audience responds to so i always say the script for an influencer is an oxymoron <laughs> as well which is like go to them and just say you tell me what we should do and there's some boy there are some content creators they do a stream they're drop they're selling 30,000 units of a product just because 
they've got that fan base so unlocked that just buys up every single thing they touch. So it's not that simple, of course, but I always urge people who are looking for my way into the esports space, don't overlook the content creator opportunity. Don't just look at the teams. Great. So who that brings up who's kind of doing it well recently, right? Like who give this an example of who's coming out of the gate or has been a surprise to you or somebody who a brand that has come on the scene and really been like, okay, you get where, what we need to do. Or somebody who's a surprise who's like, Hey, it's an insurance company, but they're actually, it's, it's working, right? Like they get it. I'll give you my favorite example, which is turtle wax with optic gaming. And I talk about this all the time. And the reasons why I love this example are a few. Number one, it's not obvious. You're like, Turtle Wax, what did they sponsor? Forza or... Yeah, I'm already in. I'm already in. Mario Kart. So it's a question. Number two, they proved sales success with their partnership. And that's something that's difficult with esports. You want to start out with measuring the softer metrics. You don't want to go hard sales metrics right out of the gate. You want to look at affinity, loyalty positive sentiment, increased followers on your social media. Those are ones that are fair to track and to measure against that are not going to alienate the community while you're building the trust with them. But Turtle Wax, through their strategy, it resulted in amazing sales. So what they did was the Optic Gaming team at the time, Call of Duty is their bread and butter. So there's three guys in particular who drive luxury vehicles. Crim6, who is now with the Dallas Empire, but he's all about his Porsche. He's driven a Porsche for a very long time. You go look at his Instagram. It's just his Porsche. There's a few gaming clips. There's a few highlights, but it's mostly his car. Hector Rodriguez, the CEO, founder of Optic Gaming, drives a Mercedes G-Wagon. And then they had a content creator, Flame Sword, who had a super cool motorcycle. I don't know enough about motorcycles to tell you what kind it was. But what they did was they did a ton of content, organic content with these guys. Because here's the thing. Everybody knows these guys are car guys. I mean, their socials are flooded with it. So it's not like you have to like, oh, now show everybody washing your car or whatever, right? But the point is, these luxury vehicles, these guys want to take care of them. In fact, Hector has a Great Dane named Henry, which he has his own Instagram page. I think he's got like, Tens of thousands more followers than any of us, of course. That's great. But if you have a Great Dane, you better have some cleaning products to keep your G-Wagon slick. So they did a bunch of uh, just natural content around keeping the cars clean. It's cool photos, cool videos, stuff like that. But also, they took Crim6's Porsche, and he has a custom video game controller with Scuff at the time. And it's kind of a motherboard pattern. So they wrapped his car in that pattern. Teeny tiny turtle wax logo on the bumper, like little boop, not too much. And then they shipped his car to all of these Call of Duty World League events. And it was the turtle, pa- the turtle wax Porsche and you could take pictures with it. And fans totally know exactly what's going on, right? They know because exactly this is something that is a, that I think a lot of brands run into, which is like they want to go to that obvious or they want to go to the thing that they understand the most which is usually the most expensive too, right? Like to, to get that main sponsorship or whatever it is. When if you do a little bit of digging into the personalities, like look at the little gym you find, and it's not even a driving game. 
when you said Mario Kart, I was like, well, there was my idea. <laughs> like that's the obvious, right? Like that's the obvious turtle wax all day. That's where you could get caught up in. But it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but turtle wax probably they had to kind of get to know what was going on before they hopped. They started throwing ideas out there. Yeah, and they had a guy who's a good friend of mine. I actually saw him last night who did the deal. He was very, very close to Hector at Opic. So he was able to tell them, this is how you do it. They listened to the team. And what I love about what they did is they leaned into the non-gaming behaviors of gamers to capture the interest of gamers. And so you see Crim6, Hector, Flamesword, you see these dudes taking care of their luxury vehicles. How does every 16-year-old see their Honda Civic? That's their Porsche. That's their G-Wagon. And so you've got to believe, I mean, the car I drive today is much nicer than the car I drove when I was 16. But I probably took care of washing that car. It's probably a lot cleaner than the car I drive now. So every time that kid is washing his car, he's going to the auto shop to get new stuff. He's following Crim6. He's following Hector Flamesword. What do you think he's picking up from the aisle? He's buying turtle wax because he wants to be like his heroes. And I don't have specific numbers, of course, but I do know that Turtle Wax saw the highest lift in ROI from a brand sponsorship than any other sponsorship in the previous 20 years of the company through that. Yeah, like, come on. I haven't thought of Turtle Wax in a long time. I'll be super honest. And it's not, I mean, that's not the car guy, and of course, but it's just hasn't been something that has come to mine in a, in a modern way. And that's super cool. And what a cool opportunity for a ton of brands out there that are in the same boat that might not have what they thought in the past would be enough to make something tick, right? Like if you're talking about TV money, TV campaign, or running traditional advertising, you know, it's extremely costly. If you have a national, like you said, I think that was what I wasn't thinking about is local brands. Everything's international. Everything's on the internet. How do I zone it into my specifically so I'm not just waste? Like all the thing I'm paying is just waste on that audience. Like that's really super interesting and kind of incredible that you get to be there to help design that. Or at least, I mean, I love the idea of building it the way it should be instead of like, look at FIFA or look at all these places where it's like they've built on hundreds of years of things that don't even exist. It's not relevant anymore, and you get this chance. It's chaos, but you got a chance to kind of build it towards the world that we live in now, which is got to be easy to wake up in the morning and attack things. Absolutely, yeah. So what I love is this is this is what I always tell brands: like if it's not obvious how you would interact with this community, number one, don't just go to the logo slap or whatever traditional sports advertising. Take a moment because it does need to be organic, authentic, all those overused buzzwords. The reason they're overused is because they're true. (laughs) And so what I would say is just take a moment to look a little deeper and see how can my brand enhance experiences in meaningful ways with the community in an authentic way. And talk to people like myself, talk to people like you, go to teams, ask them what you should do. The best way to approach this space, nobody's going to blacklist you if you go into the space and you say, I'm here to listen and learn. They're going to respect you for doing that. Take your time to figure it out. Find out not only what that strategy is, but who the right partner is. 
This is the other thing in esports is because it is a younger industry. Like I said earlier, you have a lot of people who do not necessarily have a lot of business experience. So the partner who executes it is just as important as your strategy. And I want to say there's probably a handful of there's a handful of orgs or content creators or leagues amongst the many that you can trust to effectively execute your idea. They say a great idea executed poorly is a poor idea. And so it all comes down to the execution. So don't just say, oh, I think I know what I want to do because I figured out how to enhance the experiences of gamers. Really make sure that your partner is somebody who can execute. Before I let you go, because now there's just got to be, I'm going to somehow trick you into another episode sometime. <laughs> there's, there's so oh, many other venues, right, to talk about, but now I'm zoned into this. And I'll just sum up everything. And I think this is so right in my zone. This is like it was built from Red Bull itself. Like your quote on provide the community. I know, trust me, I was the first time we met, I saw that behind. I'm like, oh, I know how you get those. <laughs> That's what I did. I was like, that was the guy that shield those out. And that was money. That was, we didn't have a lot of cash. We had Red Bull. And at that time, Red Bull was basically gold, like worth more uh, right. <laughs> than having cash long time ago. But it's provide the community with what they want, but can't attain for themselves and your brand will be embraced. Done. Give them something that they can't, money can't buy, right? Like give them something that is, whether it be an experience or whatever it is, give the community and push that culture and that community forward. What are you going to offer to them? When I think sponsorships in the past have been like, what am I going to get out of? Over a hundred years of doing that, it's like, okay, where's my brand going to be? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Okay, cool. I'm going to get announced seven times. And that stuff just goes deaf. Nobody cares. But it's like, you. and as a marketer, isn't that kick ass that you get to do? Like, God, that's all everybody, that's all I want to be able to do is like, let's build some cool stuff that is going to just blow minds with this specific community, right? And we'll win every time. I think that that sums up a ton. If you point your if you point yourself into that direction, you're going to be more successful. What I'd ask is I see a tough part because we're brands are so used to quick. Hey, I'll test out esports. I'm going to spend $200,000 on this one tournament. Let's see how it goes. They don't know what they're doing. It's a lot of money. It's actually a lot of pressure more and more every day of like that, the dollars that they're spending out of that budget and it goes south. From somebody who's seen it more than anybody, more than most, what is the way to start? Like if Amara, if they're wanting to come in and they're, they're like, God, I want to build a proof that this is it and I want to, do you think it's go big first and make a splash? Is it baby steps? Like what do you uh, suggest? Yeah, I'm always a fan of a walk, crawl, run strategy because you need to figure it out as you go. You don't want to blow all your money if you do something a little bit wrong. But what you need to do is you make sure that you're going to follow through with the run. You can't do walk. Commitment. Yeah. What you can't do is you can't do walk and say, oh, it's not working. We're not going to do it. You're not going to have a second chance. Yep, it's done. Identify, like I said, what are the great opportunities to enhance the experiences? People like myself can help identify these specific things. But our community is not so much afraid of brands entering the space as brands leaving the space shortly after entering. 
And this is the reason. Back in the day, when nobody was making money in esports, a big brand would say, hey, I heard of this thing. And the CMO's like, yeah, my son plays video games. Oh, yeah, here's 500 grand or whatever, right? Do this thing. Let's say it's Best Buy. Best Buy throws, oh, this huge tournament. And all of a sudden, the top competitive gamers are able to make money. Hey, mom, dad, remember when you said I shouldn't play video games because I wouldn't do, make anything of myself? Look, I'm doing it. I'm playing these tournaments and I'm winning money. The guys who are broadcasters or uh, videographers or tournament organizers who have been living on pennies or having to do it on their the side with a side job, all of a sudden, they're getting hired. They're making money. They're building their own production company for the first time. And then the CMO changes every two years, right? The new CMO comes and the dollars are gone. Bottom falls out. I mean, it's completely gone. Yeah. And there's no money and people have to go back to not making any money with all of these things. And then guess what? Another company doesn't comes in. It does the exact same thing. By the time the third, the fourth company comes in, which has happened. You know the, the shtick now. It's right? like, right hold up. I see you. How long you figuring on sticking around? <laughs> Here's the other thing. Esports has been around for a while now. So if you're just now entering the space, there's a lot of sentiment around, you're just showing up. I've been doing this for yeah, 20 where years. Been? Where you been? Oh, now that I'm cool, now that you know that my eyeballs are valuable and you know that, oh, my demographic has disposable income more than traditional sports, this, that, and the other, 500 million esports enthusiasts globally, all of the stats that we see in these presentation decks. Oh, now you want to pay attention to me. So you really want to make sure, obviously, that you've got a solid strategy. You can test that out through the walk phase, but... As much as you can, and I, I've been on the brand side, so I get it. You can't allocate unlimited dollars for an unlimited span of time, but have a three-year strategy. Say, look, we're in this, and let the community know. Is say, hey, we're doing this with these people for this amount of time. We're in it to win it. And I would just say, if your hesitation is that you don't believe that esports is going to be around in the long term, you're wrong. <laughs> This is the future of entertainment. Get in now while you still can and just talk to the right people. Go to people. The Esports Trade Association, we have a conference in September. Come, attend, listen, ask questions, make great connections. Reach out to me. Reach out to people like Joe. Just find out about the space. Take your time. Be there to have an other's first mindset, like you said very well, Joe. All these brands are used to, oh, it's me, 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 me. Not anymore. Because customers have more options and you need them better, more badly than they need you nowadays. And so if you come in and you say, how can I help? How can I support? What do you want? How can I give it to you? Because enhancing experiences requires money. Creating moments, creating memories requires money to do it. Who has money? Brands have money. You have the opportunity as a brand to fulfill people's deepest wishes to make their dreams come true in ways that are awesome and have fun doing it. And guess what? It's going to result in sales at some point. It's already probably been a crazy ride for you, but like, I just feel like this, it's in the air. It's that zeitgeist, right? Like you can feel that we really haven't seen anything yet, right? Like that we just haven't seen it to the mainstream of where I know that the size has just been kind of, I haven't seen anything like it in my lifetime of like this. And it's, it's one of those lifetime moments, right? Like watching this happen, I come from 
the world of playing just the only competitive gaming was if somebody had four controllers, right, set up in a room. So being able to see this grow over really not that far over my lifetime is pretty incredible. And so fun to be able to talk with you, John, about like the getting the inside look of both sides. Like you said, you've been on the brand side and worked with a lot of brands on GameStop and then coming at it from now, like seeing it from the sides of the business side of esports, as well as the competitors and the everyone involved on that other side. It's pretty, pretty cool to be able to get your point of view. And I really appreciate you spending so much time with us too. You know, it's, it's past five here for both of us. So love it. I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to let you go. But first, I think I should really check out for sure the DLC drop podcast if you want to see more of John and really get an idea of a lot of the athletes, a lot of the people that are in that world, whether it be a CEO or a streamer or whatever, there's a ton of different kinds of points of view and people on that. Is there anything else? And check out what was, I forgot the name of the magazine, but the India, like that's out too. So just hit you on LinkedIn, but is there anywhere else people can go to learn more? Yes. If you look up LinkedIn, John Davidson, DLC, John Davidson, Esports, all pop up. I look a lot like this wearing a hat. <laughs> it's my go-to. But the other things I'm associated with, Esports Trade Association. Go to esportsta.org. We have a conference in September the 12th through the 15th in Chicago, which is going to be amazing. We'd love to have you out there. Right in the middle. Right in the yeah, middle. Easy for everybody. Absolutely. And PRG, check out prg.com. This is production company I work with. They're the company that produces the in-game tournaments in Fortnite. They're doing amazing things. We're, we're working to revolutionize the esports fan experience. That's another episode. Dude, if there's anybody that can do it though, what epic, yeah, like it feels to me like it's become, that. that is what social media, like if you want to see where social media and people hanging out online, like it's already happening. It's not the future case. It's happening there and events. Yeah, that's another episode. So you guys can continue. Yeah, and then dlcyouth.com is my website. I'm on Twitter at John Davidson, J0HNDAVIDS0N. And Instagram is at DLC underscore youth. I think those are all the things. There's a number of them, but LinkedIn is where I'm at most often. So you connect with me, LinkedIn, you'll see all the things I'm doing. BW Business World is the name of the magazine in India that I was just featured in. So I'm just so thankful for all the different ways that I'm able to add value to other people, the different groups I'm associated with, whether I'm just a member or I'm a leader. And so people listening to this, if I can add value to you in some way, I'm happy to do anything that I possibly can. Well, appreciate the time. And honestly, like there's a lot, this guy's doing a lot of things to be able to give me this much time. And I've really enjoyed not only inspiring, but it gets the blood flowing. Just the amount of opportunity that's out there, right? And what it could do for the world my kid's going to be going out into as well. It's building something big that'll last pat, way past you and I, man. So very cool. Thanks so much for being on Pop Marketing Podcast. And everybody will see you next episode. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.